the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 141 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. You know the drill. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pond. I'm on Twitter at JustinHughes365, and Andrew is at AMCQ82. And in this episode, Andrew and I are going to talk a little about some trade deadline moves in the last few days, and then we will talk about some hits from the 2023 draft season, uh, that is fantasy draft, and discuss their value going forward. And after that, we're going to discuss some streamer options from Fab this weekend, as well as some call-ups that have happened in the last week. So let's get Andrew on. First off, Andrew, you doing all right, man? Yeah, yeah, doing good. All right. Um, we got a lot of news and we got a lot to pack in here, so we're just going to get started. I wanted to start off with the Angels' decision. They made a decision many were not expecting. They're going to try to win now and go for it. Like Some people thought they were going to stand path. Some thought they were going to trade Otani. I don't know if many people were thinking they were going to do the, go the route they're going, which is they're going for it. In Otani's last two months before he hits free agency... They announced that they were not going to be moving him here, I think it was on Wednesday night, and less than a couple hours after the news surfaced, the Angels made a trade with the White Sox. They moved prospect catcher Edgar Cuero and a a left-handed pitching prospect, don't remember his name, I don't think he was too relevant, for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. So the Angels are going for it. First question on this is, is this the right move for them? Do we have an hour for me to go on about this? We have too much to do an hour, so we're gonna have to do. We we may need to save um, a real. If you want to go long, we may have to save that one for next week. Yeah, no, I I think it's. I don't think it's the right move. Um, I mean, it's two months of Otani. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs, and I don't think they're gonna sign him. So to me, you trade him. There's a bunch of teams that would be willing to trade for him, I would think. And we, I mean, we don't know what the conversations have been there, even if there are any, even, you know, but I just find it hard to believe that of the call it 18 to 20 teams that could be considered buyers, that none of them could put together a package, you know, I mean, you don't want, you don't want the team that you're fighting for in the division to add that guy. So mm-hmm. I would think just on that, I would think just on that alone, that there would be pretty good offers, even though it's only two months. Uh, yeah. I think the most likely scenario is the angels miss the playoffs and Otani leaves, but uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they have a shot to make the playoffs, but yeah. I just think you have to be, I just think you have to be realistic about the whole thing. And I, I just think it's not the right move personally, but we'll see. You know, I know you love playing cards. I'm a card player. I love playing Texas Hold'em, and I I always think of comparisons with fantasy baseball and poker. And I thought of it this way for those of you listening who are familiar with t- playing Texas Hold'em. Like, in, but you're in a tournament, and you're all you go all in. Like, you've got maybe your chip stacks like eight times the big blind chip stack, and you go all in. You're in first position, so there's lots of guys who have a turn after you that could call you and you've got like a jack nine or a 10 eight and you decide to push all in 
and it still could work out. You may, you may get a, if anybody calls you, you're probably not looking great. You might win the blinds, but if you get a call, you're probably way behind and you're not going to win or your, your odds of winning are not good. And I kind of feel like that's what's happening here. And on top of that, um, I was thinking about, you know, the, the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant moves in one of these situations in years past was the Yankees with a role as Chapman. They traded, traded for Chapman or they traded Chapman away to the Cubs. Cubs won a world series. So great for them. And then they went and signed him in the off season and they got good pieces back to where they set themselves up for the future. And I would think if you're trying to get Otani, getting talent back, moving him, getting talent back, all of a sudden they might be, they might look better. You can still try to sign them. So, yeah, head scratcher. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's do some quick hitters on some trades for this week. I don't want to go too long on these because we got a lot. Um, Carlos Santana was traded to the Brewers. I don't think that there's much fantasy relevant he- relevance here, but he could eat into some playing time for some Brewers that were over there. Then we got Cindergard being traded for, to the Guardians from the Dodgers for Ahmed Rosario. Just a, you know... Did you just real quick? Do you think Rosario is more interesting here in LA? Yeah, I do. I, I think that if anybody's going to unlock anything with a young player that you know is highly touted prospect, it's probably the Dodgers. Uh, he'll he'll hit lower in the lineup than he was in Cleveland, but it's obviously a much better lineup. So, yeah, I think he's. I think he's more interesting. I mean, I don't know if I would expect a ton more, but I definitely think he's more interesting in LA than he is in Cleveland or was in Cleveland. And he might have more position eligibility. I think they said that he's playing shortstop on Friday night, and then they 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 think long term they might be putting him at second. So that also adds yeah. some interesting may add something to him. Uh, David Robertson, closer for the Mets, as the Mets are starting to move some guys. He's been traded to the Marlins, and I. I didn't know this till today, but Puck struggled as of late. I think he has an eight ERA in the last month. I was really wondering if Puck, like Robertson, was an immediate drop until I heard that news. But you know, if you like hold on to both guys, basically that's the thing until we kind of see what happens there. But on the Mets side, um, Ottavino he could be moving next, and if so. I was thinking about it. Rayleigh got a save um, for the Mets on Thursday. Or, yeah, we're recording Friday night, so we got a save on Thursday night. So that might be a little flyer for an ad there. Would you maybe take, if you had a roster spot, do you think you might take a flyer for him this weekend in Fab? Because we may not, like, Robertson or Ottavino might not be traded till Monday, Tuesday, but I think there could be some potential there for somebody in the Mets. Yeah, yeah, I think both of them should be picked up. Uh, you know, obviously we'll see what happens the rest of the weekend, but I think Adovino and Rayleigh both should probably be added. But I'd be a little careful because there could be another move, and last thing you want to do is bid aggressively on, say, Sunday night, and then Monday or Tuesday they're traded. So, yeah, I'm not sure how that'll shake out. I would guess it's probably Adovino gets the most of them if he's on the team. Yes. But, you know, that's kind of the question there. One thing I wanted to mention was Puck did get the save tonight, but Robertson's not with the team yet. I personally think Robertson's going to be the closer. 
I could be wrong on this, just my speculation. I think Robertson's going to be the closer. I think Puck is probably – I think Puck will get a few saves the rest of the season, but I think he's probably more the guy that they bring in for matchups and stuff. But, yeah, with Puck and Robertson, I don't think there's much to do. I would just hold both until it's more clear. And then I would think that maybe Puck is a cut in a week or two if Robertson's getting the saves, but we'll see on that. Then we got some White Sox trades here. Um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, they're they're to the Dodgers. And I got to say, just the idea of Joe Kelly being on the Dodgers is funny just because of the situation that actually happened, What I think it was three years ago today or four years ago today when he was throwing at Dodgers because he was on that, I think, was he on a, the Astros? Is that where he was at where? Yeah. Yeah, whatever he had he just had a skirmish with them a few years ago and now he's back with them so or with them so that's funny um but you know they didn't get much in return the white Sox, and i gotta wonder why other teams didn't offer what the dodgers offered i mean this is more of a baseball question than fantasy relevance but it seemed like a pretty cheap return yeah this this just blows my mind i know we were talking about it but i mean i'm on I'm not at all saying that Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly is some big thing, but I just don't get how the Orioles aren't in on him. Or when I say him, I mean Lance Lynn. Orioles, Reds, that's exactly – I mean, those teams need more than one arm. And, you know, it's a clear need. They're both clearly in the race. And, you know, yet again, the Dodgers get the guy. I just and, and the return, it's not even like it's much of a return. It just surprises me that one of those teams, specifically the Orioles, wouldn't, I mean, just wouldn't give up a nothing return like the Dodgers did to yeah. get a guy that would definitely start for them. I, I mean, look at the Orioles rotation. Like, I, we still got a few days, but they better be doing something. They're, I mean pretty obvious you know yeah they need something for sure i hope they make a move but lance Lim, yeah it just seems like that one would have made sense there there are plenty of other pieces and maybe they're holding them back to try to get one of the others but sometimes you can be left holding the bag whenever yeah. everybody else has made moves um kindle right. kindle graven to houston kindle graven droppable right in most leagues yeah yeah i think so i've got him in my main event team and He's probably getting cut this weekend. Yep, time to grab a Fraley or maybe even a Gregory Santos who got the save for the White Sox t- tonight. If you can get one of them on the cheap, that might not be a bad idea. Yeah, I think anybody, I think anybody that gets saves this weekend on any of these teams where relievers are getting moved, those guys are all going to get picked up. So, yep. nah, yes, they will. Remember when everybody, like four or five years ago with the White Sox, there was so much excitement. They had Eloy, they had Robert, they had all these guys coming up, and there was so much buzz about this team. I'm saying this to the guy that lives near Chicago and hates the White Sox. So I'm sure I remember you being really annoyed and thinking this was going to be a miserable few years, but, man, it's not gone the way they hoped. Yeah, it's... (laughs) I... Everything has gone about as bad for them as it could. I mean, we we were blaming Larusa for some of it. No, that's gone and still bad. And yeah, there's just 
they've built that team so much around like DH types and, you know, they've just got so many guys that aren't really good defenders. And it's like, where do you put them in the field? You only have one DH slot, first baseman. Like, I don't know. It is just so strange. And now they're already blowing it up. This was kind of the time where they were supposed to be thriving, you know? So, yeah, it's what a what a disaster for them. I bet like five years ago, you know, some teams, sometimes podcasts like to talk about who's going to be in the World Series in 2023. And I bet people were talking yeah. about the the um, White Sox as one of the, like the AL team that was on the dynasty oh, run. And, yep, that's not gone the way they hoped. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. take a Let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk about some draft day hits. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about some hits. Guys, we had had shows on or had feelings on going into the year that worked out or maybe it was guys we liked i don't know if we've got anybody that we were off of that we ended up being right about i didn't pick any of those i had some that came to mind but i was able to find some hits andrew i know you got hits so why don't you just go on and get us started off here who was your first one so my first one is uh my most owned player currently and that would be Jorge Soler, uh, ADP of, I think it was 289 in main event leagues. It was I was typically taking him around 250. It's actually exactly where I took him in at least one league. But it was kind of one of those things. It was round 17, basically every draft. I'm like, Soler, every time, pretty much. Uh, I think I have him on like 11 teams or something. But, yeah, just one of those guys that for where it was at in the draft, ton of power, obviously. And, you know, 2019, he led the league in homers with 48 with the Royals. And then the season since, obviously, we had the shortened season. And then in 21, he still had 27 homers. I mean, this is kind of where he makes his bones, you know, like obviously he's a power hitter. He's not providing speed, but, and then last year he was hurt. So I kind of thought, you know, 17th round, even if I'm getting 25 to 28 home runs, that's fine in that area, you know, and we're already pretty much there. So yeah, loved Solaire at his price, been rooting him on the whole time. And um, he's currently the, OF 16 for the season. So he's pretty much been a number one outfielder, number two outfielder. So yeah, yeah, helping me a lot this year. Power. I mean, when I, when I say some of the things that I've said about power, he's pretty much the first guy that I'm thinking about um, in terms of guys that have helped me. So I remember two years ago, I think it was two, three years ago, we were talking on this podcast about DH guys that you could grab and pop power guys and i want to say he was one of them we were thinking about it maybe not maybe i'm thinking of fran mel reyes now but let's just say he starts popping up in with adp this off season to where he's going in that similar range to where like we were taking the stanton and um fran mills like 10th 
round, maybe 150th overall. Do you think you might still be in on him, or if it gets up that high, you think he'd be out? Yeah, that that sounds off the top of my head. That sounds close. Close. To about where I, like, about where I think he may go. I don't know. I'm not really sure going into next season because, I mean, it still is pretty much a three-category guy. I mean, he's not really giving you batting average or steals and hasn't for a while. But, man, does he mash. I just I feel like his best season can be the league leader in home runs or close, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure on, on that. But where he was going this year, it just felt – no brainer to me and there was a couple guys i trust that were saying the same thing and i was like yep just gonna do it it worked out for sure all right my number one is a guy who plays for my favorite team and that would be the st louis cardinals and that would be nolan gorman and i did some digging this was a guy i knew was i was gonna bring up here whenever i was thinking of my list he was the one that was like a, my number one um Going back in time, he was the 19th pick in the 2018 um, MLB draft. And his draft stock and fantasy went up real quick as in 53 games between like rookie ball and maybe getting up to low A. Um, he had 17 home runs. And from there, his draft stock went up and down throughout his minor league and into his major league career. 2019 was a down year and his stock dropped. 2020 we don't really know what went on because that was the season where they had the minor league camps and we weren't having official games so we really never saw anything due to covid but in 2021 his stock jumped back up again his k rate dropped he had 25 home runs um in 119 games and in 2022 he made it to the bigs and struggled 33 percent k rate 226 batting average 14 home runs in 89 games and as spring training come this year, people in the know were noticing his swing looked different. He had made adjustments. And once I heard that, I bought in. Because um, Gorman has shown throughout his minor league career that he can struggle when he reaches a new level. But he seems to put the work in to make adjustments and find ways to get better. And Gorman sure did make a profit for people who took him in drafts. I didn't remember what his NFBC ADP was until I looked. But it was 451, so you could get this guy in like the 30s, in the in basically the in the 30s. People were getting him in the like past the 30th round. Now, part of that was due to the struggles last year, and part was also there was a chance he could start the year as a part-time player in the minors because the Cardinals had Jordan Walker and uh, pretty quite a few other players. So Gorman's had struggles this year too, but I'm going to continue buying into him making adjustments and getting better. I. I just I like this guy in terms of his career projection. I just think he's going to continue improving. Yeah, yeah, I like Gorman too. Uh, I've got him on a few teams, and obviously, ton of power. I mean, he his cost wasn't much. I do. Th- I, I feel like that had something to do with the playing time, you know, just being sure of the playing time. So it's going to go up next year, obviously, but um, he might have second base, third base next year. Uh He's got 15 games at third base, which is really nice eligibility to have that CIMI. And yeah, I mean, 
he hits the ball hard. He strikes out a lot. It kind of is what it is. But like, I, I think there's probably a world where this guy hits like 40 home runs in a season, you know, and vaults way up. So, not guaranteeing that, obviously. But yeah, he's been he's been really good, and uh, happy I have him on a few teams. So, Jorge, as you said, he might be one of those guys hitting 40 home runs. I'm like, yeah, that could, that sounds like the your number one guy, Jorge Soler. <laughs> Maybe never gonna win you a batting title, but yeah can has just a ton of pop all right who's your number two yeah if he's in the line if if he's in the lineup he's helping you with home runs you know so that's that's the thing um my number two i mentioned him briefly on the show where we talked about my main event team and that would be tanner bybee I took him in several draft and holds, like round 39, round 40 on NFBC, and picked him up in a couple fab leagues. So he helped me. He's helped me a ton. I wanted to do a pitcher for this, and you know, for one of these three at least. And I kind of just sat there and thought, like, which pitcher has helped me the most? You know, based on what I invested and all that stuff. And I was just kind of thinking through it. And a lot of my teams, you know, I've got so many teams, but like a lot of them, I've just got different guys as my ACE or my number two. Uh, but yeah, Bybee's been, he's been great since the day he was called up April 26th. He made his debut. He's the 16th best starting pitcher in that time frame. So he's right there on the edge of SP one, SP two, uh, three nine or three eleven ERA one nineteen whip and over a K per inning. So just getting it done pretty much, you know, he's, he's a guy you're pretty much using every start, not even really thinking about it. And I'll also mention briefly, I kind of was thinking them together because they're obviously on the same team, but Aaron Savali too, both of them I have on a lot of teams. They both helped me a lot. And I, I, I actually had Savali on my main event team and held him through the injury, which lasted longer than I'd hoped. Wow. But a lot of the reason, a lot of the reason I liked those guys was because I didn't like Quantrill and Plesac coming into the season. And I have so many teams with Bybee, Savali, and Gavin Williams. And granted, Gavin Williams hasn't done much really, but um, I still have hope for him even in the last couple of months. So a lot of them and. Uh, yeah, they've just they've both been really good, Bybee and Savali. What do you think Bybee's ADP? If you just had to take a stab in the dark right now, what do you think his ADP could be this off season? Yeah, I think he probably goes as like an SP three, maybe. Yeah, I think that. 10th to 12th round so, we've seen a lot of those guys yeah yeah i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say like round eight to ten maybe yeah somewhere in there because mostly yeah. because of the innings like his career like you actually no i guess he threw 130 last year that's more than i expected yeah i think the innings are fine that's actually a lot of the reason i was interested in those guys, same thing with Gavin too. But I think he'll be a little higher. Yeah, I think than the I innings are. Then. I don't have it in front of me, but I think fine. Yeah. yeah, he's through one hundred and thirty. And you know, you gotta year. like, you gotta like Cleveland. Yeah, 
Yeah, I could see it. I definitely could. It it's going to depend some on the rest of the season too. You know, as you know, maybe yes. the league catches up to what he's done a little bit, stuff like that. There's adjustments maybe, but yeah, he's. I mean, he's good. I definitely uh, definitely feel like he's kind of arrived, and you know, we'll see where it settles in. All right, my number two is Kyle Hendricks, who had a six seventy ADP. So this was an almost an end game pitcher as you're doing drafts. He was going to start the year off in the IL this year, and his 21 and 22 seasons were rough. ERA's over four for the first two times in his career. He's never been a big strikeout guy, but he's been a good pitcher. I know that you've loved him, Andrew, quite a few years over the history of time. Uh, like Just in terms of as a good, undervalued guy, because really the only thing you weren't getting were strikeouts. And I thought he was definitely worth the risk as a late option as a pitcher here. And so far, he's rewarded those who took him a 3.45 ERA. And that comes with an X ERA on Savant at 3.69. So he's not really been, like, according to that, it's not smoke and mirrors here. Even though he is striking out less than 6 per 9, which he hasn't done since his rookie season. But he's getting the job done. His expected ERA has me feeling okay rolling him out there still. Now, we'll see how he does in the second half and where his ADP lands this offseason. I could see it going in either way for him, but I, in terms of um, with him, I should say, in terms of whether I'm in or not but and where he's taken in drafts. But regardless, Kyle Hendricks has been a gain for those. Like, he's, he's, brought back, he's had a good return on investment. Yeah, yeah, he has. He, uh... He went so late. It's just yeah, crazy to think about because I, I've definitely been in on him in the past, and I do have him on a few teams this season. I want to say in my, on my best draft champions team, I'm pretty sure he was my 49th round pick, so my <laughs> second to last pick, and I used him. And any, I mean, gosh, in the last five to ten rounds, if you can use those guys at any point that's helpful so he's definitely been good uh i don't really think i'm gonna be that interested in him in like future seasons but we'll see i I also don't think he's gonna get pushed up very much even though he's having a good year so maybe but non-fantasy question yeah it's just it's clear that he's not gonna get strikeouts and all that so i feel like he's performing it like the top top outcome he possibly could right now are you hoping like are there talks of him getting traded by the cubs or are they i haven't i haven't heard too i haven't heard too much of it no huh hmm i was wondering because that seems like a guy that could float out there and maybe get something i don't i i don't know his contract situation though i would be uh i would be fine with them trading him i'm sure you would uh he's Looks like he's got a vesting option for next year. So. Okay. All right. Give us your last guy. You got a third guy here. Yeah, my last my last guy, I'm just going to kind of group them together. Again, I did the Indians pitchers. I'll do Rays hitters here and go with Isak Paredes and Jose Siri, who I have both of on numerous teams, both. ADPs right around 300 and yeah they've both been really good Paredes 
top 80 hitter per per fan tracks for the season. And Siri's been like top 45, 50 outfielder. And they were, you know, drafted at well beyond that. So, yeah, a lot of power with Paredes, uh, triple eligible, first base, second base, third base, which is part of the reason I liked him, honestly. And then with Siri, I'm really surprised with Siri that he only has seven steals because I, 20 homers, seven steals. Um, I kind of have felt like and, and still feel like the steals could take off at any point. But, yeah, they've just both been huge for where where they went. So had to uh, definitely give them a mention. They definitely both helped me out. If you had to invest in one next year where you're like, which one would you feel more confident in, in repeating their skills? Uh, I think... I would say Paredes. I think I agree but with you there. I, I say that because Siri's going to go higher. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's tough. Like with Siri, the thing is, he's, he's so good def- defensively that it's going to keep him on the field mm-hmm. and obviously power, power and speed. He really, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of Javi Baez. Like that's a lot of all the flair and the just, yeah, a lot of Javi Baez to me. Um, but also for the negative reasons too, right? You know, I mean, swings at everything, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think Paredes is more likely to maintain kind of what he's done He's got power. He doesn't strike out a lot. He walks. Like it's, there's some steady things there. And he's he's doing better than you would have expected, but I don't think that any of it's too outlandish, really. I mean, so, yeah, I think probably more likely to repeat. But, like, if one, I guess the reason I say that is I think if one of them's going to crater offensively, it's probably Siri, but... Power speed gets chased in every draft, and yeah, we'll see. Yeah, the speed definitely what helps you... him. Okay, uh, my yeah. third my third guy here is another guy with a late ADP of five fifty six, and that would be Eddie Rosario. Uh, had a disaster season last year, hitting two twelve with a two fifty nine OBP and a three twenty eight slug. Awful. His ADP plummeted to five fifty six. But word was out there he was having blurry vision last year. He missed some time, had eye surgery, and missed a good chunk of the season and still struggled when he returned. But I remember something similar happening to Tommy Pham when he was in St. Louis years ago. Eye troubles had him struggling, and he finally got it fixed, and that next season he looked great. So I was in on the cheap price on Rosario, and while he hasn't been a world beater, he's been more than beating his ADP with his production he's with the with the production he's given so far 248 batting average with 15 home runs 39 runs 44 rbi and 88 games that's as of thursday night so a lot of my guys are later picks here because unfortunately a lot of my earlier picks didn't i wouldn't say there were many hits from them that like beat their value but eddie rosero was another late round grab that's worked out for me in a few of my redraft leagues Yeah, he's been pretty much league average, and 
when your league average where he was going, that's that's fine, you know. Still getting at bats, and I mean, he hasn't. He's never. He's never going to be one of those guys that everybody's after because he's no. not got like the loud tools. He's not young, you know, stuff like that. But sometimes boring wins, and yeah, he's been he's been pretty good. I don't know if his value especially, jumped especially up. for where he went. Yeah. I don't know if he shot up in ADP real high. I don't I don't think he'd have to go too much higher and I'd be like, Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna buy it that, but yeah, I I like where I got him this year. Okay, let's take a quick break again and we're gonna come back and we'll talk about a few more things, prospect call ups and then some pitcher streamers. All right, we're back. Andrew, we got three hitters that were called up this last week since we were recorded last. Two of them were late last week and one this week. We got Sal Frelick with the Brewers. He was called up right after we recorded early last week, and fab bids already happened. And, um, you know, he hit his first homer the first game he played. Been all right since. Then we got Marco Luciano. He was a surprise after being up with the he had just been called up to the AAA team for the Giants. I think he only played like six games, had a home run, and he's up as the Giants have been struggling offensively. And, yeah, surprisingly, see him up. And then we got Cade Marlowe up after um, Jared Kelnick decided, I think he kicked a cooler in anger or something. And regardless, he's out for a while or maybe the rest of the year. And Cade Marlowe, who I think he was a 2040 hitter last year in the minors, and he's hitting well in his first few games. So in terms of the rest of season, I thought I'd ask your confidence here. How would you rank Frolic, Luciano, and Marlowe rest of season? Uh, I would go Frelick 1, Marlowe 2, Luciano 3. I think I agree with that. Mostly because I don't think... Luciano's going to be up for a really long time unless he just starts raking. Like, I mean, Crawford's not too far from coming back and Tyro Estrada. And I think once they're back, unless Luciano has had a big, loud boom type of arrival, I, I just don't – I could easily see him going right back down. Yeah, I agree with you there. What about Dynasty? How would you rank the three there? I'd go Frelick, Luciano, Marlowe. Okay, so we're flipping Luciano and Marlowe in, Di- in Dynasty, and Frelick's number one yeah. of the three in all of them. Yeah, I think I can get behind that. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some pitchers. We're going to find a streaming option here, and we've got some two-start pitchers. We're going to go through that, and then we'll mix in the single starts and see who you'd like to go with here, who you're suggesting people go with for next week. And as usual, all of these pitchers are under 50% owned. And we're going to start off with the guy who, um, the ancient Rich Hill, who's 49% owned. He is home Detroit and home Philly. And Andrew, I'm gonna, we're going to put him up against Noah Syndergaard, Thor, who's now on Cleveland and off the injured list on Monday at Houston, home Chicago White Sox. So start with those two, Hill or Thor, which one are you going with? 
I'll go with Hill just because of the Detroit matchup. And Thor hasn't been good in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, that too. That too. Let's go with Rich Hill versus 42% owned Alex Wood, who's home Arizona and at the Angels. I'll stick with Hill. Okay. Ben Lively, Cincinnati, uh, 30% owned at Chicago, home Washington. Uh, I actually haven't seen what Lively's done his last start or two. Do you have any idea? I'd have to go look real quick. I don't, I mean... Why don't why don't we circle? I don't back? mind. I don't. I don't mind those matchups, but um, I would have to see what he was doing recently to say for sure. I don't have it pulled up. Well, while I'm sitting here pulling him up, let's just read over the last three. We got Zach Grinky, um, who is home New York Mets at Philly. Then we got Ken Waldichuk with Oakland. At Dodgers home Texas, I can't imagine he's on even a consideration. And then, no, <laughs> not in not in a thirty team league. <laughs> and then Jake Irvin as home Milwaukee at Cincinnati. I'm assuming it's still Hill over those three, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pulling up lively, I've got him here. His last start was the 26th against Milwaukee, six and two thirds. Eight hits, one run, or two runs, three strikeouts. Before that, home Arizona, four and two thirds, three runs, four hits, two walks, six strikeouts. So that's his most two most recent starts. At Cubs, home Washington. Yeah, those are good I, matchups. You were kind of you were kind of cutting out. I didn't hear exactly the line, but I yeah, I just I would have to look at the game, recent game logs. It'd be either Hill or Lively, one of the two. Okay. Let's see if we can find a solo start that you would take over one of them. Um, Ryan Nelson, 49% owned at Minnesota. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with Hill. Okay. Actually, how about we do this? We do the solo starts here, and then we put the solo start up against Hill. Um, So Ryan Nelson or Tommy Henry at San Francisco, 43% owned. Uh, I'll go with probably Nelson, but I, I, I like these other guys better. Keep going. Yeah. I, it, there's some juicy ones. Next up is a guy we talked about last week. Steven Matz home, Colorado. That is home St. Louis against Carl, Colorado. 43%. I mean, you know, I'm not sitting Matz now, so yeah, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start Matz. Okay. Um, Another one I know you like, Christopher Sanchez, Philadelphia, 37% home, Kansas City. I'm asking you to pick between your yeah, children that's here. Pretty, that's pretty much right right there with Mets. I mean, if I could only take one, I'd probably... Eh, it's pretty even, whatever. Okay, so either one's a good ad there. Um, yeah, they're both good, yeah. They're both good starts. And going down the list, I mean, there's. I'm going to list off the next three or four here because. And um, Julio Tehran, home Pittsburgh. We got Brandon Williamson at Chicago Cubs. Johnny Cueto, who had a good start this week, home Philly. And Brandon Bilak, Houston, at New York. Would you take any of those guys over Mats or Sanchez? No, I think the best one is probably Tehran at home against Pittsburgh, but 
No, I would take Mance or Sanchez over him. Okay, and the last three aren't even worth mentioning. Um, so Mats or Sanchez? I don't know. I think I think Ray is worth mentioning. You want to mention him? Yeah, that's true. Twenty. I get well, I think I think he's. Yeah, I think he's right there with Tehran. Okay. Okay, so a step below Mats and Sanchez, but right there in that second tier. So. Yeah. How, would, how would you rank Rich Hill with those with those four? We got Matts and Sanchez right there, and then Tehran and Ray. Where would you put Hill in there on that list? With the two starts, home Detroit, home Philly. I think I would start Matts and Sanchez over him, but I would start him over the other guys. Okay, so he's in the home middle. Detro- home Detroit. Home Detroit is just one of those where it's almost like if it's a two start and one of them's home Detroit, you almost just have to do it unless the guy's just horrible. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, it's not like Rich Hill's good, but yeah, home Detroit is just so, so nice. Like if he can just get through five, I mean, good, good chance at a win and all that. Yeah. I think I'm with you though. I'd go Matz or Sanchez for the one start over him, but yeah, I think I'd have him. Yeah, I I think I agree with you there. So we're saying Rich Hill, maybe Ben Lively as a good option too to throw in there, and then Matz and Sanchez are good streamer options for a solo start. And Tehran and Ray are still decent ones if you can grab one of them. That's another good start there. So look at that. We gave six options yeah. right there for pitchers for next week. Pat ourselves on the back for that. Yeah. Uh, I wrote Yanni. Hopefully they don't all get blown up. (laughs) If so, I'm just blaming you. That's why I like to be the one (laughs) asking the questions. (laughs) So um, we're going to come back next week a little earlier than normal. I just want to mention that because this is trade deadline weekend. We talked about a few of them here, but there's going to be a flurry of activity, and we just thought it'd be great. We're going to try to be back on Tuesday night which is the night after the trade of the trade de- that's trade deadline day. So we can talk real quick, like instant reactions to all these trades, baseball related and fantasy related. So we're going to be back early. And then we got plenty more that we're already talking about for the rest of, or to get, get us through August. We've got some exciting things, things we're excited to talk about with you guys. And we'll be doing that. Um, Hopefully the sound quality with you guys, we made it through it. Andrew and I have had a, some technical difficulties tonight. I think it's some internet connections going on with my computer. Hopefully it, we got through it all, but I think that's all I got. You got any final words, Andrew? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Looking forward to talking about the trades on Tuesday. Yeah, so. it's going to be an exciting... I think there's... A, even though Otani may not be getting moved, there's still a lot of exciting things I think that are about to come. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what some of these teams like Baltimore does. They better do something, dang it, like we said at the beginning. <laughs> yep, looking forward to it. Okay, well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all in just a few days. Take care. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, 
We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 